You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 332, we're discussing Madden Web, She-Hulk, and The Batman 2. I'm your host, Tim. And I'm Carlos. Man, I'm back from vacation. My unfortunate vacation. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we are here. We are back at the mics together once again. And coming off the back end of two solo episodes where both you and I took different approaches, different looks at the fallout from everything that's happening over at WB Discovery, DC Studios, and what that means for the future of DC if you guys haven't checked those out, they pair very well together. That's episode 330 and 331. Go check them out. We had a lot of fun putting those together independently and had a lot of fun breaking things down. And we'd really appreciate you guys going to check those out and see what we have to think and maybe put a different spin on the ideas of what's going on over at WB. But this week, we got to take a step back because we spent so much time inside of WB Discovery. We had to look at some of the nerd that's going on in and around that space right now and we're going to talk about things like She-Hulk with its imminent drop on Disney Plus, Madam Web, The Batman 2 and its release, maybe? Who knows? And there's a whole bunch of other things we're going to cover over in this week in Nerd. But before we get there, Carlos, man, it's been a minute since we sat and podcasted together. How are you doing here in in hot Calgary where finally I am back in the city? Yeah, no, it is uh, smoking hot, and yeah, I'm doing well, and I want to thank everybody who tuned into the solo episode last week and all the feedback and the wonderful support that we saw from uh, all of our peeps out there mm-hmm. and collaborators and everybody else. You guys are wonderful. I sincerely appreciate uh, you taking the time to convey your sentiments and your thoughts as to... Uh, what what was a bit a uh, bit of one from the heart for sure, and uh, yeah, I'm happy to know that uh, you know uh, leaving it all out there was something that was well received. So yeah, if you took the time to send me a tweet or a DM or anything like that, like mm-hmm. give yourself a hug and have a sip of bourbon for me because yes. that was awesome. Celebrate in the goddamn Batman way. A little sip of bourbon on a Friday night. <laughs> well, man, we got we got lots to break down, lots to talk about, and we're gonna do that over in this week in Nerd. All right, everyone, welcome back to this week in Nerd. We discuss the latest and the greatest from the world of Nerd. Now, Carlos, there's a few things that have been rolling around the background here, as all of the focus has been on. DC Studios, but what's what else has been going on in the world of nerd? Throw something at me here, educate me a little bit as I've tuned out somewhat from the world of nerd over the past couple of weeks as I've been uh, vacationing in the sunny Okanagan over in British Columbia, the province next to Alberta where we live up here in Canada. Yeah, I'm actually quite certain that our podcast will take us back to the world of DC because uh, you know what, that's, mm-hmm. that's how we like to do it on this side of the house. We like to keep it exciting and trashy (laughs) and uh you know really we're uh just reflective of that discovery plus streaming service where you can have that uh 
40 day bride or whatever those type of shows are. And uh, <laughs> you, you, you don't know what you're going to get, but uh, you know what? In an equally uh, messy and uh, <laughs> less refined uh, space of a nerd, Sony studios uh, is doing their Madam web movie. And we've had a few little nuggets drop from there. And uh, in seeing these, I tossed a theory out to our boy Troy and just his excitement over it made me think that this might be worthy to share with the listenership. But uh, we've had some confirmations with the casting. So um, Dakota Johnson is going to play the mainline uh, Madam Webb, the Cassandra Webb version of the mm-hmm. character. And Sydney Sweeney is playing the one-time Spider-Woman. Julia Carpenter also... Uh, one time Madam Web. So that's pretty cool too. But the bits that got me excited was Adam Scott playing Ben Parker and Emma Roberts mm-hmm. playing Mary Parker, which I thought was interesting. So I don't know if they'll kind of change it up a bit and make uh, Uncle Ben her brother um, or if she's already married to uh, Richard Parker. But the thing that was exciting was I, I thought it was cool because Adam Scott does have a bit of that old Peter Parker vibe. So that was the assumption on mine and other people's parts that he'd be playing old Peter Parker, but mm-hmm. that he's playing Uncle Ben is kind of cool. And um, seeing Mary Parker and there were shots of her being pregnant, maybe. What my theory is, I haven't read anything anywhere and uh, I certainly don't have any insider information from the Sony uh, side of fandom, but uh, what my theory is, is that Mary Parker is pregnant with Peter Parker and the reason Madam Web and the rest of her Web Warriors come, uh, come together is to protect the unborn Peter Parker from being killed by whoever the... Uh, nemesis of the movie ends up being and that's what she's doing that's her mission is to protect the unborn peter parker because of the influence that he will have on the the world the universe the multiverse and just how important he is so i think that's where they're going with it and that interesting so is this this meant to be like a period piece to a degree like it's is it set in the 80s is it set in the 90s where is this in you know I, i know the continuity of sony Sony's Spider-Man verse is going to be a bit all over the place, but to kind of having Adam Scott playing Ben Parker, Adam Scott look, I don't know how old he is, but he looks like he's in his early forties, I would think. And so you're going back quite a ways. Yeah. It could be like nineties, two thousands ish. If you want to have like a contemporary Spider-Man. Cause then Mm -hmm. yeah, he, uh, you add kind of the, well, Aunt May would be in her fifties, right? If you're yeah. using Tom Holland as your marker, so mm-hmm. yeah, you could have it all the as recently as yeah, two thousand. Because interesting, he raised Peter until like kind of twelve, thirteen ish, I guess. Yeah, because we're starting to get into a space with Spider-Man, and even a lot of the properties. Actually, when you look at the MCU, where my familiarity with the characters is becoming fuzzier and fuzzier, and I don't really have the same sort of knowledge when you're talking about Madam Web, even like She-Hulk and Moon Knight and Blade even for me, all these characters that they are now putting to screen, my level of engagement on them from a comic book and a history perspective is is very little. And so the concepts that you're talking about here in Madam Web are so foreign to me at this point that I'm intrigued by it. I'm intrigued by hearing what you're talking about and, and looking at 
Peter Parker being almost like a Luke Skywalker, Anakin Skywalker-esque sort of, uh, what would you call it? A Like a prophet, not so much a prophet, but someone that's going to be important, but that is... Chosen one type of character? Yeah. Yeah, like a chosen one that this this character has some significance. And I like the concept of it like being a bit multiversal, where it's like, you know, does Madame Webb have some sort of multiverse ties too? Yeah, like she's kind of like the protector of the, the Spider-Verse mm-hmm. type of thing. Like okay. she, um, she comes from like beyond and uh, mm-hmm. is able to view the various threads, the webs, if you will, of okay. the multiverse and... Um, like she's kind of like a one, one man time variance authority type. Of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Interesting. Interesting. Well, it's. I'm hoping that that Sony has a little direction in this, and that it's because it, it sounds intriguing enough, right? You're introducing some interesting characters with some pretty powerful casting in and behind these, and young young actresses as well, specifically in those first few roles that you mentioned that can carry a franchise for for years, for decades even if need be. And then if you introduce younger Peter Parker or some sort of variant, I don't know what they're going to do, but it does sound interesting. It does seem like, you know, as, as we're all progressing into these multiversal or Spider-Verse stories, it seems there's going to be a movie for each of the different franchises, be it DC, MCU, or Sony, that acts as the catalyst or pivot point for these stories in live action. We've had maybe the Multiverse of Madness, The Flash coming up here in DC, and maybe this Madam Web movie is serving as a very similar cog inside of a much larger narrative that they're building up in and around this, a live action Spider-Verse, which would be my guess where they're going at some point with all this. Yeah, they certainly could do. Like, I I think that just by virtue of them pursuing a Madam Web movie, there has to be a reason for it because she's mm-hmm. just such a obscure and off the beaten path character that um, there has to be a reason as to why they're chasing this particular character and going with that narrative because they can make a whatever auto Octavius movie and it would be automatically more profitable for them just based on name recognition Mm -hmm. alone, I assume. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like they're very quickly getting to the point where they need a Spider-Man in their, in their universe which to me, I do not understand why they have not done it. Unless they signed something with the MCU that said, or Marvel Studios that said, we will not run a parallel Spider-Man. It seems absurd that they have yeah. not dropped in someone or brought back Andrew Garfield or put in Miles Morales. It, it is absurd to me that they have not gotten to that point or of even just teasing or announcing it, let yeah, alone so, actually putting something into production. <laughs> yeah, some kind of... Uh, non-compete clause or something maybe but Mm -hmm. yeah who knows what the what the behind the scenes with that deal looks like i know like morbius was kind of fine as a standalone until you got to the post credit scenes and then it it was just so clumsy to try Mm -hmm. and figure out how things fit around spider-man and where even the characters stood because there's a certainly a disconnect between i think it's because (laughs) spider-man there's your connection piece tomorrow Sure. Yeah, that's kind of it. And then you're going into Craven right away too, which, yeah, like, I don't know. We'll we'll see what they bring to screen, but the whole thing with that character is that he hunts Spider-Man because he wants the the most challenging prey. So, yeah, I I don't know. Interesting. We'll have to wait and see, I guess. 
We will certainly. But one thing we're not going to have to wait and see very much longer is She-Hulk over on Disney+. Plus. So another Marvel property flipping over to the other side of the house. August 18th, that's this Thursday as this episode drops, She-Hulk will be dropping its first episode. Now, a lot of reviewers have seen the first three episodes of this brand new Disney Plus show. And it's kind of coming into mixed reactions again, unfortunately. It's getting, to, what is her name? Tatiana, Tatiana Misalani? Musalani? Maslani. Um, Maslani, not Mussolini, but Maslani, um, is getting high praise for, for her role in the film as Jennifer Walters' She-Hulk. Uh, they do point towards it's a bit goofier and some of the fourth wall breaking stuff doesn't work. And But they do say that it is probably the show that has the most interconnectivity feel to it in the MCU with, I think, a lot of cameos in the way of this being a law office or Jennifer Walters at least being set up to represent superheroes. And so we're probably gonna get some fun cameos. And of course we've got Mark Ruffalo's Hulk likely appearing in this first episode, maybe even the first two, but interesting to hear that it is getting kind of mixed reviews, which seems to be relatively on par with the Disney plus stuff. There seems to be some people that really love it and some people that don't. The intriguing thing here. Beyond She-Hulk, we're not going to dive into this because you guys are going to be watching this as this episode drops. So it is does not seem to be uh, really beneficial. We'll talk about it next week, of course. But with Mark Ruffalo's Hulk appearing in She-Hulk, in Carlos's favorite version, I will say I think there is light at the end of the tunnel for you, my friend, because you're going to get your abomination that people are all upset about <laughs> from Incredible Hulk, but. It looks, just digging through some some things on the internet, it looks like Universal is about to lose their rights to the Solo Hulk movies. It looks like there's about a 15-year deal on that from the debut of the movie, which was June of, 20, of 2008, which puts us at June of 2023. So next June, Marvel could be getting back the rights to distribute from Universal a Solo Hulk project. So they've been bound, the last, the last character out there, for the MCU has been outside of Spider-Man has been the Hulk universal owns the distribution rights, which means that if Disney were produced a solo movie for Hulk universal will get to distribute it and make the money off it. So bad business decision. But if Hulk comes back to the MCU, is there potential for something like the world war Hulk or a world war Hulk and the Hulk reverting back to more of his, his uh, hulkish ways, if you will, to something that's, you know, maybe him devolving back into a bit more of like an immortal Hulk or an incredible Hulk or something to that effect where we lose the smart Hulk, the Mark Ruffalo Hulk that uh, is, is maybe not so fondly looked on by yourself. Yeah. Like any, anything's possible and the Hulk, even in the comics is very elastic in which there's a ton mm-hmm. of different iterations of him, uh, with Bruce Banner always being at the center of it. And yeah, Mark Ruffalo could certainly play a different version of him, but uh, yeah, they've got a long way to go to get uh, where World War Hulk was. Um, I I think that that ship has sailed, or at least adopting the comic book version of it and why it happened, just because it was so fundamentally tied to um, him on uh, war world. So yeah, it, it'll be something different for sure. Uh, it'll be uh, world war Hulk in name only. Cause they kind of uh, dealt with a whole pile of the things uh, mm-hmm. that 
happened with that story in Thor Ragnarok. So yeah, Planet Hulk, World War Hulk, yeah. Yeah, it won't be it won't be that, but um, it, you know what? Like I I really don't like the Ruffalo Hulk. He's just kind of gotten worse with every appearance. So we'll see. Like Mark Ruffalo is an amazing actor, but like the last time we saw any gravitas with him in that role was Age of Ultron and it's been mm-hmm. kind of downhill since then so yeah I, I don't know I'm not optimistic like even the She-Hulk show like the trailers haven't done it for me at all and um, yeah we'll, we'll see what happens but uh, I don't know I would like to <laughs> see them pivot pivot the Hulk because we are missing that true Hulk right you know we had it in Incredible Hulk he was present to a degree in Avengers and Age of Ultron. But in the last little bit, kind of post-Ragnarok or even into the endgame and all that, we don't have that true Hulk. And I think if you're going to go to Secret Wars, which we're going to, or Kang Dynasty or something, and you want the Hulk to play an interesting role, I think he's got to move away from this intelligent Hulk, where you have a blending, a pure blending of Bruce Banner and Hulk I think it needs to be something that is a bit outrageous, is a bit crazy, and kind of get back to the roots of, you know, when people see Hulk, you know, my kids, they say Hulk smash. Like, that is how they view it, right? It's not Hulk type on a keyboard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and ironically, like, Smart Hulk under Peter David's uh, pen was actually my favorite version of Hulk, like... For years, my business card holder on my desk was a Smart Hulk action figure with his like massive hand open. I used to put my cards in there. So, um, yeah, I do quite love Smart Hulk, but it's just the way the MCU mm-hmm. has handled him, right? And you know, the the, the lead writer and showrunner of She Hulk was talking about the writing not being great for or not being able to bring bring the goods in the courtroom scenes and whatnot. So that, that might've been the final <laughs> straw mm. that broke the camel's back with me tuning into this one. I'll catch it eventually, but I think the discourse is going to be horrific, uh, whether you love yep. it or hate it or whatever. So I'm like, you know what? I, I really enjoyed being just on the sidelines as an uninformed observer on Thor love and thunder. I was like, I'm going to have the same play here. I'll get to it when I get to it. And, uh, yeah, I'll take it in on my own time, but yeah, it, which is funny because like Daredevil is my guy. Um, I've read all the Hulk <laughs> for decades and uh, you know what? I have all those She-Hulk comics from the John Byrne era and the Fantastic Four stuff that he did with her. And uh, I don't know, the with the Disney Plus stuff, statistically speaking, there's a 15% chance that I will like or love it. So mm-hmm. the, the odds are kind of working against it a little bit. Interesting. But would you pay 40% more for Disney Plus? Because that's another big news story that's coming out with this streaming service is that they're up in the charge unless you want to stick around at the lower rate for a ad-supported version of Disney Plus. This comes in the wake of HBO Max saying we're not profitable. We're going to fold into something a bit more streamlined, a bit simpler. Disney Plus releasing that they lost $1.1 billion last quarter in mm-hmm. Disney Plus. They're expecting profitability by 2024. These things take time, but their operating costs are enormous. 
when you look at the shows they're producing, everything from Andor to Miss Marvel to all this wild stuff in Star Wars and Pixar, there, there's so much coming out on this platform. You look at it, and you're like, I don't even know how they're, they're making money on this. But they did just become the biggest streamer on the planet, passing, I guess this is everything that Disney has in streaming bundled up, but they just passed Netflix with 221 million subscribers globally as to become the biggest streamer just three years after its launch. But yeah, as well, we that's... see this kind of roll out and build, is are you going to pay more for it, or is this kind of going to get uh, pushed by the wayside? Yeah, to be honest, like I would park Disney Plus if I could, but because they charge us annually here, um, mm-hmm. you can't really do that. Uh, to be honest, like ironically, despite being like Marvel tattoo wearing kind of guy, uh, it's the Star Wars programming that appeals to me from the franchisee side of things but because hulu is wrapped and fx is wrapped into disney plus in canada that's actually where i watch the most stuff um i i don't know that on my profile there's been a single thing watched outside of that star uh button for a long time so yeah i i would honestly consider the ad supported version um, but it all depends on what they have coming down the pipe. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the MCU stuff, like I said, like literally 15% chance I like it. And the Star Wars stuff, like I, I do enjoy that and my kid adores it. But, um, yeah, like if I'm watching something like, uh, under the banner of heaven, if I have to watch a couple commercials with that, no different than watching those ABC shows with my parents back in the day. So yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we'll probably eat the forty percent uptick. It, it's it's a big player in our house, just with the kids and all the Pixar and Disney movies and all that that they have on there. Just the library alone and the convenience of it. That you know, we were away for three weeks here, and the place had a TV. We just logged onto our Disney Plus account, which I'm now remembering that we did not. Uh, log out of <laughs> at the place that we're at but it's it's something that the kids love i like you i don't go to disney plus if i'm just looking for something to put on in the background i go to netflix for that i like if i'm in the house by myself or if i'm at work or something like that kind of working from home it's a slow day or whatever i'll pop on something in the background just for noise but i usually won't pop on something on disney plus like i won't just other than maybe like Endgame or Infinity War or something to that effect, I find myself going to things like The Office and the the offerings on Netflix a bit more to do stuff like that. And I just never find myself... I, th- I think with Disney+, Plus, I feel that I need to be engaged in what I'm watching. And so I haven't even started that new, the ILM uh, Light Magic documentary that they put up with on Disney+, Plus or anything like that, because I get into bed i'm like ah i'm gonna fall asleep if i start watching this and so i feel i need to be fully engaged when i'm watching stuff on disney plus where some of the other streamers i don't need that and so i find myself going to disney plus a lot less unless it's intentional to go and watch something at like four o'clock in the afternoon five o'clock in the afternoon and kind of just tune in for an hour or two yeah i don't know well speaking of streamers like one of the reasons it'll be impossible to transition to she hulk is because netflix just offered up the insanely good Sandman TV series. Yes. And uh, it seems like I'm not the only one with that opinion. Uh, it was, it 
was extremely well received by everything I could see on my timeline and the critics reviews. And uh, it seems like there was a real winner, not only with people who were familiar with the source material, but it was almost even more popular with the people that were kind of Sandman curious, but uh, never dove in because it's a lot of material to start reading. And uh, yeah, it's been wonderful to see like our, our friends Mm -hmm. just kind of jump into it for the first time. And I, I don't think I've ever fielded as many DMs as I did over that opening weekend with people kind of wondering what's safe to read without it getting exposed to spoilers and what actually took place in the comics, which, um, and what changes that they made and whatnot. But the show is unbelievably high quality. Like the production values are fantastic. The writing is phenomenal. The performances are great. And it just has a gravitas and a refinement to it that, you don't really find too many other places in the comic book space. So yeah, I was very happy to see it do as well as it did. And Neil Gaiman was talking about how many different countries it was the number one streamed show in and uh, where it's placing even amongst its competition and whatnot. So uh, you're, you're kind of talking about putting things on in the background and whatnot, like something like the Sandman is absolute, uh, laser focus type of viewing for mm-hmm. for me and it's it's got the quality to warrant it so yeah i'm very happy to see uh the the show was as successful as it was and it's absolutely raised the bar for what we should be demanding out of these comic book based tv shows so mm-hmm. um yeah that'll that's <laughs> I'm I the thing that makes me the happiest. I've not sat down and watched it because again, it's one of those things that I feel like I need to plug into and commit to. But the I feel that the opinion and the investment that you had in this franchise, if it didn't land with you, I would be very very concerned. But given that you think it's it's stellar, it is something that you would return to. You want to see more of the production value is high. That's where my hype comes in. If you enjoyed this, then everyone I think is going to enjoy it and take something away from it. You know, it might not be the best thing in the world for you, but I do think at the end of the day that this is something that is, it's so different, right? From what is currently on offer from other streamers. And Mm -hmm. like you're saying, when it comes to the production value, that's one of the things that we've been a bit skeptical on in some of these last offerings from some of these other streamers, particularly on Disney plus. Now, instead of Ms. Marvel, some of these shows are starting to look a little, I, I don't want to say cheap because they don't look cheap at all, but I think the term that we use inside of the Obi-Wan Kenobi discussion is unrefined. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best way to put it for a lot of these things is that the the VXS houses, which I have a ton of sympathy for, and that's a flag that you've been bearing and waving through the entirety of the last two years is that there's so much pressure on these guys they're undercompensated and overworked, but they it is the most visible part of any of these offerings right now. You know, when there's a mistake or a shortcoming there, it is the first thing that you see, right? It is the first thing that is criticized is that, and that's very unfortunate. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, it, as much as DC had a bit of egg on their face when they had their 2022 promo, I think they made the right decision with delaying the things that they did mm-hmm. uh, to give the FX houses time to um, 
get their work done to the highest uh, standard. And, you know, it ended up working out well, at least in one case, uh, and that being The Flash, with giving that movie some breathing room. Mm -hmm. And to follow up on our previous two discussions, just this morning, uh, Ezra Miller came out with an apology statement um, in which he disclosed that... uh, they suffer from some pretty complex mental health issues. And I don't think there's any denying that. You look at just the things that they were doing and just, um, you know, if you're in a good place, you're not doing those kind of things. And uh, I think that, you know, it stems far outside some depression or anxiety, which are kind of the more common things that people find themselves afflicted with. And, uh, that they disclosed that was quite commendable. I know there was a bit of consternation about uh, how uh, PR generated the apology was, but uh, at the end of the day, like Ezra is facing a bunch of things before the courts, and I am sure that their legal counsel had certain things mm-hmm. that they wanted them to say and certain things that they wanted omitted. Uh, so that they weren't prejudicial to any proceedings that uh, may be coming down the pipe kind of thing. But uh, yeah, you know what? It was, it's nice to kind of rip that Band-Aid off. Like I said last week, them being in front of the courts is an absolutely good thing so that uh, anything that they need to be held accountable for is done in the proper forum. And it's not just this kind of trial by Twitter. And then... Mm now that they've come out with an apology and that they've uh, put it into the public eye that they do suffer from mental health issues. Like I don't, I don't know that you or I would have to do the same thing, but when you have that huge of a spotlight under you or or over you and um, you know, if you don't tell people the truth as to what's going on, people will just make up the truth. So yeah. And you go on Twitter and find all of those truths. (laughs) Right now, yeah, if you really exactly. want to, and and it's interesting that that you bring this up too with with Ezra Miller and what they put out. Of course, it's going to be somewhat scripted. You know what I mean? Like they're not just going to allow them to to put out whatever into the universe. These things have to be closely guarded. And I think the first step to, like you said, the process of of getting through this. And there's been a lot of discussion online and around it, and even some of the big trades, like the Hollywood Reporter, about what happens to the Flash as it relates to what is going on with Ezra Miller. Is they laid out a three option scenario where one, it starts like this, where Ezra Miller does come out and reveal what they are suffering from and begins the the process of of mending and healing both themselves as well as the the public opinion or look which is unfortunate you know you have to deal with that at the same time as struggling with with major mental health issues and then there's a couple other scenarios where they would be removed a bit from the promo and the third option was completely scrapping the flash a 200 million dollar movie and it was unprecedented just a couple of weeks ago that anyone would scrap a $100 million or $90 million movie, but we saw that happen. <laughs> and so the fact that the option was on the table, or at least there had been a discussion about what happens to this movie, as Ezra Miller is apparently in almost every single frame of this movie, given that he plays multiple characters across the multiverse. And so I do see this as a good first step for healing on both sides of it, right? Healing the image of what this movie eventually will be 
and of course allowing as miller to take those first steps to healing themselves which which is great yeah exactly it's at this point in time it's any kind of intellectual honesty if you will or uh any kind of you know frank disclosure is just a positive and everybody can kind of move forward from there as opposed to it kind of being this taboo thing uh, mm-hmm. come the release of that film. So yeah, it's all on the table. And um, speaking of films that are getting released, uh, Dwayne Johnson caused a bit of fur when uh, he came out and he said that he actually put the kibosh on the original script for Shazam. So I guess the original sh- version of Shazam was supposed to be two origin movies in one in which both uh, the origin of Shazam and the origin of Black Adam play out and they end up coming into conflict, one assumes. And DJ put his foot down and said that he felt that this was a disservice to to the character of Black Adam and he sent them back to the drawing table. Now, I don't know why people are so upset about this. So, because okay, there's so a couple of things are upset, right? Like I, I didn't misread that, that people are, are upset about this, right? Like it, it seems absurd to me, but continue. Yeah, I, I'm interested. <laughs> exactly. So pe- people were upset and there was all this hand wringing about Shazam not facing his major foe, but it's not like we didn't get a Shazam movie. We got a very charming Shazam movie that was beloved by a lot of people and Shazam fought his actual main nemesis in Dr. Savannah, because I hate to break it to you folks, Dr. Savannah predates Black Adam by a lot and is actually Billy Batson's primary nemesis and has been since the early days of Fawcett Fawcett Comics rolling that character out. So we got a Billy Batson Shazam movie. We got the introduction of the Shazamly, which we probably wouldn't have gotten. And that movie is excellent and beloved. And has a sequel coming out in just a few months. So we got two Shazam movies. And the sequel looks to be a banger, bigger and better with some interesting things. And I've got a cool theory as to who a few of the characters are and how it might play into the greater DC universe. And we get a big bad Black Adam movie in which they can do the character justice and have him have his origin story play out the way that they see fit. And on top of that, we get the justice society added on <laughs> top of that, which we wouldn't have gotten. So people are upset because we got a Shazam movie in which he faces his primary nemesis. And we got a Shazam sequel that is in the can. We got a killer black Adam movie in which he meets the justice society and we actually got a pseudo prequel from the same studio uh, in the form of the Elvis movie. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Shout out to our boy <laughs> Gurdeep from the TCB podcast. But uh, yeah, so we got three and a half movies out of DJ uh, making that play. And not only that, but you have an artist who is passionate about the material that they are adapting and chooses to draw a line with the studio to say that this is not going to do your property justice. I don't see any negative whatsoever with this, but there was a lot of hand wringing about this two for one movie that didn't happen. Well, and I, at the end of the day too, when I look at it, 
if you want a guy like Dwayne Johnson taking up a role like that, and he's clearly got some sort of creative control over the character, or at least his presence in the movie and what the character is doing. But like everything that you laid out there, there there's nothing there to be a set about. And you'd also want Dwayne Johnson walking away from this role. He is literally the biggest flag bearer for DC or studios right now. He's the one that will carry this character and carry this franchise at least into the next decade, into what eventually will be as you have been predicting for years, a likely appearance of, of Superman back in some capacity. Mm-hmm. And when you when you lay it all out like you have, there's nothing to complain about. So what? He, he put his foot down and threw a bit of weight behind what his creative control is and said, no, let's do it this way. And I think you put Dwayne Johnson in that first Shazam movie, it's going to be a completely different movie. I, I think, he, like you said, you do a disservice, I think, to what dj wants to do and there's a lot of elements that you just don't get and so the thing i'm yeah. most excited for in shazam 2 is the shazam lee which like you said we probably won't get and you probably got a lot of people that are reading wikipedia that think that black like i'm not super familiar with it but the black adam and shazam are are your joker and batman of that that corner of the universe when they're not <laughs> no they're not and like you know let's face facts like superman didn't face lex luther in man of steel and Batman didn't fight the Joker in Batman Begins, and Spider-Man didn't face Norman Osborn in Homecoming, and nope. Iron Man never faced off against the Mandarin. <laughs> like nope. it just it, it there is no boxes to tick, folks. It's art. <laughs> you got to go where the story tells you to go. Well, and it this idea too of people wanting DC to have more interconnected storytelling to some degree this has provided that on a much larger scale than they would have if they jammed the two characters into one. You get two origin stories, you get a sequel, and then like it's coming eventually, right? The guy, mm-hmm. the it, it will happen. There will be a sequel to Black Adam. Like unless Black Adam makes a hundred million dollars at the box office, this movie has a sequel baked into it already. I guarantee it. Dwayne Johnson is franchise Viagra. This man is a franchise machine. There's no way he's doing a one-and-done Black Adam movie. Absolutely not. You've got three mm-hmm. minimum of that guy, plus whatever crossovers they want him to do. Yeah, and he says that he's positioning himself to be the Thanos of DC, and Black Adam has had that role in the past, right? Like, he mm-hmm. was... And even recently, like, he was the centerpiece of the 52 book, and World War Three was literally all the DC heroes coming together to try and face him and uh, his country of Kondok. So he's he's held that role down before, and he's a pretty cool presence with a massive fan following, and he's given us something different than uh, anybody else is doing in this space, and like only he could do too. So, yeah, I, I don't see any downside with this, but I don't know if the hand-wringing was genuine or if it was just decrying things for the sake of decrying things or if it's like you said those folks that read wikipedia and have only seen those dc animated shorts i don't know or i do know well at the end of the day it's it's, it's easier to complain about something right but than to create <sighs> yeah it, it truly it truly is and now one interesting thing we talked we've talked a lot about dc having a lot of movies in the can and the over the last couple of episodes to them reposition themselves to be a a studio themselves and them having a lot of potential in their future. 
one movie that you would assume would surely be a big part of the future of DC Studios is The Batman. But there's been a lot of discussion out there, and I don't know how real it is, about The Batman 2 actually not being fully greenlit yet inside of the new WB Discovery hierarchy. Now, I don't know if this is just they have full stop said we're not greenlighting anything until we're set up inside of our new studios, which is probably the likely case. Or if there's something wrong, the sky is falling with the Batman 2. I would very much think that it is the former where nothing's getting greenlit until there is a new set of DC heads, or at least they have got through this initial version of the house cleaning to what they're doing is we're not spending any money until we know what is coming and what is going to be next for for DC Studios. But a lot of people are saying that there's something wrong with the Batman. I don't think there is, guys. But I'd be interested to hear from the goddamn Batman on this one. And the Batman 2 maybe not coming out till 2024, 2025. Like, it's a long wait, but that's okay. Yeah, well, good things take time, man. And uh, by all accounts, Matt Reeves is in the scripting stage of mm. the Batman. And... You know what? Heaven forbid studios greenlight films when they have a script that they want to shoot, which is the way it's typically supposed to be and happens for most films. And not only that, but they have at least one, the Batman TV show that is imminently mm -hmm. going into production. So, yeah, while it's a long wait, it's not the old days. It's not waiting from to 1992 from 1989 with pretty much no comic book movies in between mm -hmm. um between Batman 89 and Batman Returns it's like yeah sure we have to wait but in the meantime like we'll have a flash movie in the year in between with with two Batman in it and then who knows what else is coming on the pipe and then 2024 is right on the doorstep so off we go and we're to the races and you know what like matt reeves takes a lot of time with his movies and we saw that with the planet of the apes franchise but at the same time like if you're gonna put out absolutely killer films isn't it worth the wait to have mm -hmm. things that make a lasting impact yeah i, I this need this comes down i guess to this need to, to incessantly complain about things or try to find the negative aspects on it and that's why we're always trying to swing it here in the nerd room is why do you focus on the, the positive things? Like you said, we've got all this stuff in between. And I, I honestly think that the concept of anything being greenlit is all on hold right now. That's why all these mm -hmm. movies went off and all this. It's just, we are not going to make decisions until we're comfortable making them. And Matt Reed, he's gone. He's likely been paid something to start this script and to get it going. It, we will see the Batman 2. I have no doubt in my mind that we will see. I said in our DMs when we are talking about it, I said it would be the dumbest move in film history to not eventually produce the Batman 2, given its, its critical and financial success. It's one of the biggest movies in the year and probably be the most well-regarded comic book movie film of at least 2022, maybe even over the last couple of years. And it took a step in a direction that, that we haven't seen for quite some time. And... I just want everyone to pump the brakes a little bit sometimes, guys. It's okay. This guy's not falling. We will see the Batman too. It's 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 all happening. We're gonna see the Joker, too, and yeah. so I'm confident we're gonna see the Batman too. Because that was the interesting thing. 2024, we got the Joker two coming out as well. Yeah, exactly. So, you know what? 
2024, I should say. Not, I think it said 2022. 2024. <laughs> 2024. Yeah. And like you said, there's just so many things to enjoy in between that, like, you know, heaven forbid we kind of savor things and watch them a few times and uh, actually enjoy them. Like, and if you're open to any kind of offerings, like, not only do you have the things coming from DC, but you have the things coming from Marvel too. And there's going to be, you're not going to have a month without at least one new thing to watch and to mm -hmm. absorb and to potentially fall in love with. So that's a, that's a good thing. And, well, and like, like you're saying with that, I just want to hit that point out one more time. We do this all the time, right? We podcast every week about this stuff. We're immersed and embedded and invested in all of the, these offerings. I'm so far behind. I was just on vacation for three weeks. I'm still behind on watching films and TV shows and catching up on, on all of this stuff. And so I, we do this because we love it, but I'm, we're still behind, you know, mm -hmm. it, you, you were a month or two behind on stranger things. And, and so it, it, this is what happened. There's so much stuff out there. Like even if they were to put a Batman to it, I'd probably race out to see it. But there's so much in front of me right now. Like I haven't even seen Dune. Like I haven't watched Tenet. I haven't watched. Like, there's so many movies and so many offerings. I've not even had a, a chance to to sit down and absorb. So like I don't even know what's gonna happen with She-Hulk. I'm not even finished Miss Marvel. <laughs> like, well, there you go. Yeah, there there's loads and loads and loads to enjoy. So yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm so far past the the days of counting down time until you get the next thing because mm -hmm. when you're open and receptive to liking it all, um, there's there's always something to watch and to enjoy. Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. you know, if you want a show right now, go watch the Terminal List. It's amazing. It's on Amazon Prime, starring Chris Pratt, and it is a fantastic kind of marine type show and. Yeah, it's totally different, but I am riveted to it. And in fact, I'm going to try and squeeze in an episode after we finish recording today. Wicked. Wicked. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's it, – it's interesting because the last two episodes that we did – I'm going to kind of go off and maybe step on a soapbox for a second here. The last two episodes we did were, were really focused on heart and mind. Let's step back, guys, and look at these things objectively, subjectively, however we, however we want to do it. But we tried to take those last two episodes and apply two different ways of approaching and looking at things. And this episode here is is almost a nice follow-up in the sense that we are look we're all looking at a bunch of different things. But the key is is looking at this stuff with a positive set of eyes. And we don't always do that, but we will give things a chance. Mm -hmm. And what we see on Twitter, what we see on social media, what we see online isn't always a wide or broad representation of what the community or what everyone else is looking at. But at the end of the day, go at things because you love it. If you don't like it, that's cool. It does not have to end your world. I've said this before. And also, you don't have to wreck someone else's day because you don't like She-Hulk. I know our boy Stu is going to love She-Hulk. And mm -hmm. it's going to break my heart if people are on there telling him online that he shouldn't like that. You should, never tell anyone that they shouldn't like something if they like it. They're not wrong because they like it. And like it's just stuff like this that bothers me sometimes. And I feel that we do have a forum here. And that's why you see us always trying to put a positive spin on this. 
sometimes we are criticized because we agree a lot or we take the positive spin or maybe we're not as harsh on things as we could be. Do you know why that is? Because we don't want to be. I don't want to kill someone's vibe. I've listened to podcasts before, people tearing about tearing apart Back to the Future. I turned it off because I didn't want to hear that about one of my favorite movies of all time. I understand the plot holes. I understand the shortcomings of some of those films. And we understand that stuff too. We will call it out if it's if it's there. But then we will move on from it. And that's that's what I kind of want to see more of is people moving on from dislikes, moving on from things. You know what? It's okay. I stopped collecting box series because I didn't want to pay forty dollars a figure. But <laughs> you know, I, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get really upset about it every single time I see a black series on the pegs. So I've moved on to other things. And so perspective sometimes, guys. Take a step back. I don't know. Sorry, I'll, I'll step off the soapbox now. But I just feel that the last couple of episodes and kind of the back half of this one have really, really tied together nicely in my head um, as kind of this this trilogy of let's look at the positive things in life, guys. There's a, there's a lot of really great things out there. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's basically like the Shazam trilogy where we had yeah. like we each had our solo and then we'll meet. So exactly, Black Adam, Black Adam will fight Shazam at some point in time. Yes, he will. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, exactly. I I think the the best criticism we ever got was that we were too positive on what was it, Rise of Skywalker? Some yeah. dude just got yeah. super upset. You guys are too positive. Well, I'll take that all day long. That's fine. All day long. It's it's intentional, guys. Like, we're very much aware of what we put into the universe. And there's a reason for it, right? There's way too much negativity out there. There's way too much crapping on things that that that, that doesn't need it. And like I said, we, we will provide our constructive criticisms, but it's never going to be hateful. And it breaks my heart every day to see that that kind of stuff online and um, people that we, that we know and part of the community getting focused on targeted because of, of a love or passion for something that 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 that's theirs like get lost <laughs> i'm sorry but <laughs> yeah exactly or if you don't like something just don't talk about it like that's that's that... also an option, that's an option. <laughs> yeah I, I don't know that you see me you see me talking about too many things that i don't like yes yes i, I had a lot of time when i was on vacation to self-reflect on on certain things and a lot of time to to consume Bit maybe too much social media at times, but too many late night scrolls is why I commonly delete Twitter and Instagram and stuff periodically. But um, I, I felt that you know there's a platform here, so so we'll use it once in a while. But Carlos, is there anything you want to wrap the show with here? We're kind of pushing up against the, that hour mark, and I'm I'm feeling very uh, very much like I need to go watch something now and, and just consume and love. Yeah, no man. How how can we go out on any other note? So I think we uh, we leave it there uh, with our trilogy capper. Yes, yes. I'll absolutely love it, man. Well, it's been great being back at the mics here. It's the the consistency is coming back, guys. I am on the last two weeks of what has been a very, very long journey to a, a brand new house and the adventure of us living in different cities and different locations is, is coming to an end here when we get into our new house here at the end of the month and get the new studio and nerd room and everything all set up here in the in the coming weeks. And so the consistency is going to come back to the episodes and we are making changes though. We have an announcement that will drop here in the next couple of weeks about how the nerd room is evolving. We always like to reflect and change with the times and we feel we, it's, it's time to make a, a, a change here and that, that'll come. So I'm just going to put that out there that it's, it's a fun change. It's a good change. Nothing crazy, nothing bad. It's uh, it's all positive if I can say that. And so 
we're going to be doing some fun stuff come the fall here uh, and and really embracing a bit more of the toys too, if I can say that, because we have dropped, if you haven't noticed, or we can nerd from this, these shows, but that is coming back in some capacity in some form in the fall here. So look out for that announcement that's coming very, very soon once we kind of shore up the last little few pieces of it. But uh, but yeah, if uh, if you guys want to be a bigger part of this conversation, this conversation of positivity and and, uh, and evolution of even the Nerd Room, you can always email us the Nerd Room at gmail.com. You can find everything we do at thenerdroom.net. The hunt is real and it's coming back in the fall over on Instagram at the RM and YouTube. We're continuing to grow there. That is going to be a big focus for us going into the fall with more videos, new content. Ian has a new figure review of Buzz Lightyear figure up there, which is absolutely incredible. And so we're trying to build that, our sub base there. And so go over and give that a subscribe. Check out the videos, the tours, the collection tours, much more to come over there. And then Twitter. That's where we are roaming around periodically. Uh, from time to time, you can catch us there. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd or our handles are at the end of the episode. So Carlos, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Likewise. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, with all that being said and that little soapbox rant, in the uh, review, we're going to be checking back with you guys next Thursday for all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond, and probably a little She-Hulk talk next week. And so we're looking at you, Stubaka, to give us your your, your opinion on She-Hulk because we do know that you're a big fan. So I'm looking forward to, to hearing that. And with all that being said, man, for The Nerd Room, I'm Tim. And I'm Batman. And thank you so much for entering The Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sanjabi, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.